Now turn over to the passages of Scripture that we were looking at with the boys and girls there. First of all, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and we'll, le- we'll read um, some verses there. And then if you put your finger in Ephesians chapter 4, and just the last few verses there. But Ephesians, uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 1, and beginning our reading at the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure, to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And then just turning over to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we'll just read verses uh, 20, from verse 29 there. Let not uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that, ye, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Amen. We know that God will bless his word to our hearts afresh. Let's unite in a word of prayer. Our loving and our gracious God, we thank thee that we can enter into thy presence afresh today. 
We do rejoice in God's word to our hearts, and we thank thee for the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. And we pray that even as we gather round thy word today, that thou wast indeed help us to rejoice in that seal that is upon the lives of each one that is saved. O God, we pray that we might know the assurance of our sins forgiven, that the Lord is there and that the Lord is working in our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. In olden times, a seal was a very important thing. It's still an important thing today. Many legal documents are, uh, have seals upon them. Way back in 1688, 1689, when the glorious revolution took place and King William of Orange came, landed in Torbay, and a large proportion of the population and then the army swung in behind him. James II uh, felt that his cause was up, and so he left his palace in London and sailed down the Thames in a bark. But as he sailed down the Thames, he did something very stupid. It was a very stupid action. He took the great seal of England, the great seal that was appended to all the legal documents, and he dumped it into the River Thames. By that, he thought that he was going to stop any law being forged by William or any successor who was not himself, because up until that time, every legal document had to have the great seal of England appended to it. It was a sign of authentication. It was a sign that this was a true and legal document, that it was a document that came from the king. Now, the uh, plan that King James had didn't work because a new seal was forged. But even today, as I say, we authenticate contracts with seals. It mightn't just be the kind of seal that we saw on the pictures earlier on, but it might be just a signature. People will use a signature today, but it's the same thing. We want to authenticate things. We want to let people know that it was us that agreed to this thing, or it was us that wanted this thing to be done. So a seal is a symbol of authentication. It's also a seal of ownership. You could put a seal on something that you own so that nobody else can get into it. Or it could be a, seal, uh, a sign of authority. The great seal was not only a sign for the kings of England of authenticity of what they wrote, but also of their authority that they carried the great seal. It is also a mark of security. Or we think of how in ancient days uh, many things were sealed. Tombs were sealed. Libraries sometimes were sealed. Treasures were sealed so that there was no unauthorized entry into the place. We think of how uh, the tomb of the Lord Jesus was sealed in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 66 in order that uh, nobody was able to get in and to steal away the body. So in commercial terms, in social terms, in the diplomatic world, seals are very important. Now we have read in this portion of Scripture that we who are saved are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. 
God has put his seal upon us. We are told in Ephesians 4 and 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And he concludes the letter uh, to the Ephesian churches, or near the end of it, and he says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there are many of God's people who from time to time have had problems with assurance. Problems thinking, I'm not saved at all. I'm not, I'm not really a child of God. And you know, the devil will come at times, and all of God's people, different times, different degrees, and will cause us to doubt our salvation and to doubt whether we are a child of God or not. And that's where this seal becomes very important, where we have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. Now, maybe I'm talking to somebody today and you're troubled with your assurance, troubled with thoughts about whether you're saved or not or about whether you're going on with God or whether uh, it is that you are, have the root of the matter in you, if we put it like that. But dear friend, I want us to see this wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit of God does. He puts his seal upon us. So that's something that we need to know about. It's something that is going to bless us if we can understand where this seal comes from or what it is. And we're going to think about the sealing of the Holy Spirit today. And as we look at these portions of Scripture that we have read, I want us first of all to see the possession of the seal. Do we possess it? Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. He says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Well, when you see what he says here, those who are Christ, those that have heard the word of truth will come on to the steps here in a wee minute. But I want you to see, he says, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, when you think about the outline of the sealing here, what is this sealing meaning? We have said it's a, a symbol of possession or a symbol of authentication. But we think of how the Lord comes here and it speaks here of the holy or the, of the seal of the Holy Spirit of promise. And my, that's a wonderful thing that if we can have that seal upon us this morning, the strong assurance, it speaks of assurance. It is the Holy Spirit, as it were, putting his stamp upon us, uh, putting his uh, mark upon us, so that we know and others know that we are indeed the children of God. And when an ungodly person comes across us, they will know that there's something about us that makes us different. There is new life. We are born again of the Spirit of God, and there is new life within us. And I want you to see that this ceiling then gives us a strong assurance of salvation. In verse 13, you'll see, if you look there, uh, he speaks about the Holy Spirit of promise. And then in verse 14, 
that sealing goes along with another word, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, the word earnest there is an old-fashioned word. It's an old English word, and it has the meaning of a down payment, a deposit or a guarantee that you're going to pay, as it were. You know, when you go into the shop, maybe when you're buying a car, and you put down a down payment, you can't pay for the whole thing at once, or you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once, but you put down a down payment, and then you begin to pay it off. Now, the down payment is the signal to the person that's selling that you're going to pay this off. You, you intend to pay it off. And so we can see here this earnest, this seal, is a down payment from God. It, it's the sig- signal. He has given us his grace and his mercy. We don't have all of the blessings of heaven. We don't have all the blessings of glory. But we have the down payment of the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts And that's a signal that all of God's salvation is going to be given to us. It's a guarantee. And we don't have to debate about it or think about it if we have been saved, after if we have believed and had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have the seal of the Holy Spirit, this down payment that God has made to us to guarantee that we're going to be saved. And are we going to get to heaven? We think of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. The down payment has been given. You think of what the Savior cried on the cross. It is finished. The price was complete. You think of the uh, bride or the, the um, girl that gets engaged and her uh, boyfriend comes and he gets down on his knees and he asks her, will you marry me? And then what does he do? He produces a ring and he puts the ring on her finger. And what's that? It's an earnest. It's, it's, it's a, a, as it were, we, I don't want to put it like that, but it's like a down payment um, if you put it like that. Uh, it's not really a down payment, but you can think about it like that. It, it is the fact that he's going to go through and he's going to marry. So that's the outline of the thing. We can think of how in the Song of Solomon it says, My beloved is mine, uh, is mine and I am his. We can say that today because we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. But not only have we the outline of the sealing, but we have the obtaining of the sealing. Now, it's one thing to hear about it, but it's the other thing to know that we have it. Now, you'll notice in the portion of Scripture that it sort of gives um, the thing that runs up to this seal. If you look at the verse 13, Ephesians 1 verse 13, just read again. He says, In whom ye also trusted... After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And you can see that there's a number of things that um, lead up to the sealing, if we put it like that, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He, he says that we come, we trust in him. And he says, in, who, 
in whom ye have trusted after that ye heard. So the first thing that we need to do is hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So in order to be sealed, the very first thing is you need to know the truth. You can't be sealed if you don't know the truth. If you don't know the truth about your sin, if you don't know the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Savior, if you don't know the truth about the one who is the Son of God who came down into this sin-cursed scene of time to be our Savior, if you don't know that truth, you can't be sealed with the Holy Spirit. We need to know that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That story has been told time and time again. And you think of how the Bible says, For uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we often forget about the rest of it. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So there needs to be the preaching of the word, not only from a pulpit, but one-to-one on the doorstep, in the Sunday school class, in a children's meeting. There needs to be, a pre- uh, by a tract, there needs to be a presentation of the word of God. That's the first thing. You need to hear the word of God. But not only does there need to be a hearing of the word of God, there needs to be a heeding of the word of God. It goes on in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So not only do we hear the truth of the word of God and the way of salvation, but then we need to heed it and we need to come to him by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to enter your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But dear friend, He comes as you bow before him in repentance and in faith. And that means you've got to confess and forsake your sins. It means that you've got to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross, the ransom for our sins. There needs to be a repentance. There needs to be a turning to God. And you need to come to him. Oh, dear friend, I'm glad today, if there's been that time in your life's experience when you've come as a sinner to Jesus. And I know that there are many of God's people and they are benighted by thoughts of lack of assurance. But dear friend, if you're even concerned about it, it's an indication that you have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Because you wouldn't think about it, you wouldn't consider it, other than the fact that God has worked in your heart by regeneration power When are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? When you're saved. There are those that teach, well, it is some act after that we're saved. When people have the Holy Spirit um, come upon them and they have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and particularly speaking in tongues. No, dear friend, when are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? When you're saved. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. When the Holy Spirit comes to be your comforter, And be your help, even in times of need. Oh, dear friend, how are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? When you believe. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ 
as your Savior. Sealing is the outcome of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to trust in him. And how does the sealing take place? Well, it's simply as a result of what Christ has done. The Lord said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. We are sealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the outline of the sealing, and we have the obtaining of the sealing. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I want you to think about the ownership by the sealing, because we have wonderful blessings when we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let us look again at the chapter, and look at uh, verse 3 of the portion of Scripture there. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now look at verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And then go down to verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of this calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And he speaks there of knowing this inheritance. And my, what a wonderful thing, that when we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, what we're sealed for, for all of the blessings in heavenly places in Christ, we are sealed for the riches of glory. We are sealed for things beyond our comprehension. O God seals us in to his grace and seals us in to his mercy. So we think of the possession of the seal. But they don't want us to think about the preservation of the seal. Turn over now to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 30. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, once again, we have a mention of the seal, and he speaks here about the possibility that the child of God may grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And he presents his arguments as to why we should not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And one of the great arguments that he presents here is that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Paul is saying, don't be grieving the one on whom you're dependent. How apt we are to grieve the Holy Spirit. How oft we, uh, as it were, grieve our God and grieve the Lord. But he says, don't do that because you're grieving the one who has sealed you unto the day of re- redemption. And he's the one that you're dependent upon to bring you through. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's his argument. But look at the period of the grieving. It's until the day of redemption. Now, you might be wondering what the day of redemption is. You think about your own day of redemption, that day when you were saved. Well, you were, the Lord Jesus redeemed us there on the cross of Calvary. But you could describe the day when you're saved as the day of your redemption. And if we were to think about it like that, and we could, I suppose, legitimately think about it in that way, 
we would say there's a whole lot of days of redemption because we were all born again on different days and on different periods of time, different years and so on. And of all the people that are in the world, there are all sorts of days of redemption. But of course, that's not what Paul is speaking about here. He's speaking about the day of redemption. What is that day? Well, it is the day when our redemption will be fulfilled. It is the day when our redemption will come to fruition. And the text speaks about a certain day, a specific day. It's a day to come. It's a day when our bodies will be redeemed. We think of how our souls are redeemed and we are brought to be with the Lord throughout all eternity. But then you think of the body that is taken and lies in the grave for how long it may be. But you think of that day when our Savior comes back in power and in great glory. And the graves are opened and we will have bodies made like unto his glorious body. And my, what a day of redemption that will be. So we are sealed unto that day, the fulfillment of it all, as it were. That day when our redemption will be complete. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. Until our redemption is complete, we are kept by the power of God. And dear friend, we don't need to Trust in ourselves. You know, if we were trusting in ourselves to keep ourselves, we would fail and fall all the time. And maybe that's the source of your lack of assurance today. Maybe you say to me, but preacher, I haven't done anything. But dear friend, we're not depending on what we have done. We're depending on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has sealed us unto the day of redemption. We see the period of the sealing. But then look at the preservation of the sealing. He speaks here, this term of sealing is maybe a little bit different from the other one in that it speaks of, you know how you seal something in to preserve it, to keep it, to secure it. Maybe you have um, a foodstuff that is perishable and so you will seal it in. You'll put it into a sealed container to keep it. That's the thought of the sealing here. He keeps us. We don't keep ourselves. That's the one. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. And then he'll bear me safely over till the loved ones I shall meet. And when something's sealed, it uh, remains there until the one who has the power and the authority to break the seal will break that seal. And this seal can only be broken by God himself. Can't be broken by man. Can't be broken by the devils in hell. Can't be broken by the flesh. It is broken only by God. And he has sealed us. Not a wonderful thing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That what our Savior has done there on the cross of Calvary, he has done fully and eternally. This is an eternal salvation. We'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck us out of his hand. Think too about the prayer of the sealing. How do we know we're sealed? What is the power behind this seal? Well, one of the powers behind this seal is the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays for us. That's how we know we're sealed. We're not depending on our prayers 
or in what we have done. He's praying for us. Do you remember what he said in John chapter 17 and verse 9? I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And that prayer must be answered. The prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ must be answered. All prayers that ascend to God and he receives are answered. But that prayer, we can say doubly, if we put it like that, has to be answered. And so we rely upon his prayers, his high priestly prayers, as we come to him today. And we think about the payment for the sealing. What a great price was paid that we might be sealed into God's salvation. You, you know, you think of something you have purchased and the more you pay for it, the greater care you're going to take of it. And it's the same, you think of the price that was paid by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for your redemption and for mine. So he's going to take care of us. He's going to keep us. He's not going to let us go. And that's a wonderful thing as we think of what our Savior has done for us. So we think of the possession of this sealing, the preservation of the sealing. But then I want you to think about the provision of this seal. In the olden days, these seals were used um, in different ways. They were used for authenticating a document, or um, they were used in uh, that way so that uh, people would know that this is the proper thing, that this is the real thing. And it's the same with the seal of the Holy Spirit. God, as it were, puts a seal upon you and me, and he says this is the real thing. This is a real Christian. This is a, a child of God. And he puts a seal upon us. Now, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at verse 18, because here he says in verse 18, And be not drunk with wine where is is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So there you have the filling of the Spirit, the sealing of the Spirit, and the indwelling of the Spirit, I suppose, are all there. Uh, but there particularly is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll notice then, he goes on to speak about the marks of the indwelling, or the uh, infilling, rather, of the Holy Spirit. He speaks there about a new melody. Look at verse 9. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The psalmist declared that when he was lifted out of the horrible pit and the miry clay of sin, God put a new song in his mouth. Even praise unto his God is the song of the soul set free. In 1859, when revival came, one of the things that marked our society was that people went about their ordinary business singing the songs of Zion. There was a melody in their hearts. You know, I suppose today we don't often do that, or maybe you do, 
But I wonder today, is there a new song in your heart? It mightn't come out at times. You mightn't be a good singer like myself. It mightn't be too uh, good to listen to if it came out. But are, is there a song in my soul today, something I never had? Jesus has taken my sins away. Oh, say, but I'm glad. A gladness, a joy, a melody in your heart. And then not only is there a new melody, there's a new harmony. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A love for the brethren. How often we're told this in the word of God. In John's uh, epistles, we're told it, um, that one of the marks of a child of God is that we love the brethren. We love one another. We love one another. There's not, there's not that uh, gelling against one another, that coming against one another, that, that sparks that fly when we meet one another. There ought to be that harmony. We're all brethren and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on the same side. We're in the same army. We're fighting the same battles. We need to do it together. We are one family, the family of God. And ought, ought to be a mark of every child of God if we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is there, then there's going to be a new harmony. All of the love that we have will transcend all of the disagreements. And then there's something else that will mark being filled with the Holy Spirit, a new victory. Look at verse uh, 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. He says there, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are given victory over the rulers of the darkness of this world and against the spiritual wickedness in high places. We are given victory over the old nature and the lusts of the flesh, and we ought to be able to live above the sinful tendencies that are in our hearts. Thanks be to God, which giveth, the, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the victory. We're on the victory side today. And that's a wonderful thing, that we are in the victory. But then there's something else we have when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. And that's a new liberty. Look at verse 19 of chapter 6 of Ephesians and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We're free. We are, have utterance. We're able to speak. We're able to say something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may God give us that utterance in these days as we go out to speak to others to make known the unsearchable riches of Christ. May we be given utterance, this liberty to speak in the uh, things of God, to invite others along to the meetings. It might be hard, it might be difficult, but oh, that God will give us utterance. Now, these are some of the marks of the child that's sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. There is a new melody a new harmony, a new victory, a new liberty. And I wonder today, 
Are those things true of us? To some degree and measure. It might be small. It might be that uh, those things are, have to be developed and God has to work upon them. But, oh dear friend, are the marks of the seal of the Holy Spirit of God upon your heart and upon your life. Dear friend, if the Spirit is speaking with your spirit and witnessing that you're a child of God, if you're uh, dead on sure that the Lord has saved your soul, if there has been that time when you by faith have come to him, then you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. My what blessings the Lord bestows upon his people in these days. My what wonders he gives to his people. And may we rejoice in what the Lord has done for our souls. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word afresh today. We thank thee that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. We thank that thou hast sealed us in, and thou dost keep us till the river rolls its waters at thy feet, and then thou wilt bear us safely over till the loved ones we shall meet. Bless thy word and write it upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We turn to the last hymn there, uh, 300 uh, and 20. The hymn 320, I am redeemed, O praise the Lord, my soul from bondage free has found at last a resting place in him who died for me. We'll sing the first and the last verses of the hymn and we'll stand as we sing.
God and our gracious Father, we pray that thou would separate us in thy fear and with thy blessing now take us to our homes in safety and be with us. For Jesus' sake, amen.